So last week we started into Hebrews chapter 11 as our study of Hebrews continued. And Kai mentioned that this is called the Hall of Faith. A lot of people call this the Hall of Faith. And uh, you, it's a play on the, the idea of the Hall of Fame. I mean, you, you get that right? Like there, there's a Hall of Fame. You can actually go to a Hall of Fame. Like if you love baseball, you can go to Cooperstown and you can tour the Hall of Fame. And, you, and when you go in, you see all the people that have been enshrined and inducted into the Hall of Fame, and you hear their stories, see their pictures, see their stats, all the different kinds of things. You see Nolan Ryan has a spot in the Hall of Fame, and Adrian Beltre will soon, right, have a spot in the Hall of Fame. Like, you go see these famous baseball players, and you can tour it and physically make it your family vacation and go tour the Hall of Fame. All the kids will love it. So just, you can do that. And Hebrews 11 is kind of a virtual tour of the Hall of Faith. So you get to walk through and see these stories of these people that God used in amazing ways, and it's highlighting their faith, the way that they believed in God, the way that they trusted God. And, that, and, and so it's like this virtual walking through and looking at them. And, and, you know, you go to the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, you get inspired and encouraged by all these great players and their uh, accomplishments and their stats. And the Hall of Faith, you, you kind of walk through it, and you're like, I get inspired and encouraged. So Hall of Faith, Hall of Fame. I hope you can see the connection there. So the problem with that is, it's not really a problem, but it can be a little bit distracting when you're walking through this Hebrews chapter 11 because you can start to make it all about the people that they're talking about. It becomes like, look at how great they were. And you know that the Bible is never really about us. It's never even about these people. It's always about God. And so the Hebrews 11, the theme of that, really what we're supposed to learn from it is to trust in God. It's not just about their faith. It's not just about how much faith they had. It's, it's not about that. It's about the object of their faith, who they trusted in. They trusted in God, and they placed their faith in him, and that's why things worked out the way they did. It's not, in our culture today, and even in the Christian culture, there's this idea that's out there. It's, it's really just a false teaching that says, hey, if you, if you just had enough faith, the faith and bad things wouldn't happen. If you would have had enough faith, that wouldn't have happened to you. Like, that's not a biblical concept of biblical teaching at all. It's never about how much faith we have. It's about who we place our faith in, what we place our faith in. The object of our faith is more important. So, for example, I brought a, a bungee cord today, and uh, this is just a normal bungee cord. Um, I think I got this at Walmart, so you know it's high-quality material. And um, it's just like... Just a bungee cord. And if I told you that I have so much faith in this bungee cord that I want to tie it around my ankles and somebody take me to the top of this building and I'm going to bungee jump off of this thing with this bungee cord tied to my ankles. And I was like, man, I believe it's going to work. It's going to be awesome. Get your cameras ready, man. This is going to, like Red Bull's going to want to show up for this. Like Red Bull's coming, right? If they see this kind of daring, I'm going to tie this around. And I got, I got all kinds of faith that this is going to hold me up. You know that's not going to work, right? Like this is not going to hold me up. It's going to go viral, but in a wholly different way. <laughs> I mean, this, the bungee cords are, I don't even know what, like, they're good for some things, right? But if you, like, have a, a bunch of stuff you're hauling in your truck, and all you do is secure it with bungee cords, and then you look at it and you go, that's not going anywhere, you're wrong. It's going somewhere, right? So the, these things don't work. So, like, you can have all the faith that you want into that. It's still not going to work. But it, I don't know if you've ever been bungee jumping. I haven't done that. I've, I've seen it. I've seen people do it. And like, you can say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going to go thousands of feet up in the air. I'm going to get on this platform, and they're going to tie a real bungee jumping bungee. Like, it's, it's been tested, all those different kinds of things you assume they've done, right? The, it, I'm a, they're going to tie that, strap that to my ankles, and I'm going to jump off this thing, and it's going to hold me up. You can do that. But here's the problem. Like, you get up there, and it seemed like a good idea at the time when you're down here. And you get up to the top of there, and all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. Was this really what I wanted to do? And I don't know if you've seen this video, but sometimes it kind of hits you kind of like this guy. 
Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I love the fact that at that moment he decided it was time to negotiate. <laughs> Oh, wait, 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 wait. And then he's like, I got stories. Let me tell you something. I got, man, I would have a lot of stories at that point. You want to hear some stories? Let him tell stories. Like, it, it was too late at that point for him, but here's, what I, here's how I would describe him. In that moment, he just had a very tiny amount of faith, very small amount of faith. We didn't show the whole video. You can watch the whole video, right? You can find it. He survived. He made it. The bungee worked, and he, they brought him back up, and he was really thrilled at the end of that. He wasn't mad anymore. He wasn't freaking out anymore. But the the very tiny amount of faith that he had in that bungee system that where, where he actually had to be pushed off and screaming, like it, it still worked. It's not about how much faith we have. It's the object of our faith that matters. And God's the only one that's reliable enough to put your whole life in his hands. He's, he's so trustworthy. He's so reliable. He will never fail you. And what the Bible teaches us over and over, and Hebrews is saying, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Like you can give him control. You can surrender everything. You can put your life in his hands, and you can trust him. That's, that's what faith, it's, he's calling us to this faith, to put your trust in God, not in yourself, not in your abilities, not in your strength, your gifts, your talents. Like put your trust in God. And whether it's a little bit or a lot, God will use it. Like that's what he does because it's about him and his power and not about how much faith we have. And so the writer of Hebrews is walking us through these heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11. He's talking about how great their faith is. But remember, it's all about how they trusted in God. And we know that we can trust him because of the gospel. The gospel has convinced us. It should have, like if you're in the process of learning the gospel, it's, that's, what, that's what we're hoping, that, that God will use this gospel story to convince you that Jesus is better and he's trustworthy. You can get, put your life in his hands. He came and lived the life that we couldn't live, died the death that we should have had to die, and rescued us from our sin and made us right with God, and that's our only hope. Our, all of our hope is only found in him, and because of that, because he demonstrated his love for us, that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we were enemies of God, when we had walked away from him, he'd still died for us, we know we can trust him with everything else. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, trust in God. Last week in the passage, uh, it, it said that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Kai was walking us through that whole idea. And so, you know, as Christ followers, that's one of the things we want. We want to please God. And so he says, without faith, you can't. It's impossible. So what does it look like to live a life of faith that would be described as that, that pleases God, that, like, that God is like, yes, this is, this is what I'm calling you to. This is what I want for you. And when you see the story today, and it's mainly about Abraham, it's also about his family, you see these characteristics of a faith that pleases God. You see what it looks like. And hopefully it's going to inspire us to leave this place with our trust firmly in God and what he's done and who he is. But this faith that pleases God, when you jump into the story, the first thing that you see is the faith that pleases God responds to God. Look back at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. So 
This is pointing us back to a story in Genesis chapter 12. God shows up. Abram's just one person on the face of the earth, and God calls him and picks him and selects him and says, hey, Abram, I want you to follow me. I want you to, I want you to go where I'm going to go. I'm going to lead you. You're going you're gonna to leave everything that you know. You're going to leave your household, your family, your hometown, all these things, and you're going to follow me. And here's what Genesis chapter 12 says and Hebrews chapter 11 says. Abraham heard God's call, and he obeyed him. He responded. He, he said, okay, let's go. And what we need to understand is that when you have faith in God, it shows up. When you have faith in God, it, it informs how you live your life. It, like it will, the decisions you make, the way that you live your life, the way that you conduct yourself, all these things. If you really have faith in God, if you really trust God, you'll respond to him in obedience. We're not, we're not talking about perfection. Like that's not what the Bible's talking about. It's talking about that when we have an opportunity and we see what God is calling us to, we want to do what he's saying. We want to follow him. We want to obey him. And, and the faith that pleases God responds to him. When we hear him speaking, when we see him leading us, when we learn something and we know we need to do this, like we respond in obedience. That's what this faith looks like. And it's, it's important to, to know this because this is what God is always doing. If you're a Christ follower, you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then what the Bible says is the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of you. And one of the things he does is he's making us more like Jesus. And the way he does that is he leads us step by step, to take steps of obedience as he shows us more and more of his character, who God is, and what, what he, how he wants us to respond. And so the, the Holy Spirit's always leading us to do something. He's leading us to the next step of obedience, whatever that might be for you. Maybe it's to be, be baptized. Maybe you haven't done that. You haven't taken that step of obedience. The New Testament says is a public proclamation, public profession of your faith. And you know that, hey, he's, he's leading me. He's been prompting you, and you need to make that your next step of obedience. Maybe it's to join the church. Maybe it's to begin to serve in our body and say, I, I know I need to do this. I, God's leading me in this way, and I need to take a step of obedience. The Holy Spirit's leading you, and the faith that pleases God responds. The faith that pleases God says, oh, this is what God wants me to do. I'm going to go in that direction. That's what I'm going to do. Now, that sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? It's never that simple. So let me add some things to help us understand this. The faith that pleases God responds to God even when it costs us. What God said to Abram, later changed his name to Abraham. He says, hey, leave everything that you know. Leave your, leave your father's household. Leave your, leave your family. Le leave your hometown. Leave your comfort zone. Leave everything, everywhere you've grown up, everything that you've become familiar to you in your life. Like, you're going to leave that and follow me into this unknown. Like, and for Abraham to follow God in obedience meant he had to leave things behind. It cost him to follow God. And the life of obedience, the life of faith, it will require some things from us. It will cost us. It's not an if, it's a when. Jesus says, hey, if you want to follow me, here's what it means. Deny yourself. Take up your cross, die to yourself, and follow me. Jesus' call to follow him includes denying ourselves, leaving some things behind. It costs us some things. And it's a step of faith because on this side, it's like, oh, man, I don't know if I can give all that stuff up. But when we step in obedience and step in faith on the other side, what we find is that, man, Jesus, is, what he asked me to leave behind, what he gave me is way greater than that. 
When he, when, he, when, he costs, when it costs us something to follow him, it means that we leave something behind or we, our plans get changed or maybe for the summer, maybe for uh, our whole life, everything gets rearranged. All, all these things start to change and we, it begins to cost us things. Some sacrifices have to be made and my plans and my dreams and my goals become something that maybe I have to give up or at least hold very loosely. And it's very di- difficult on this side, but when we step in faith, trusting God, Even when it costs us, we respond in obedience. On the other side of that, we always find that his plan was better. We always find that his, what what he's offered me, the life that he's called me to is better than the one. His plans and dreams and goals for my life are bigger and better than mine ever would have been. But it's it's a step of faith that gets us there. So faith that pleases God responds to God even when it costs us. And here's the deal. It also responds to God knowing we might not have all the answers. Look back at verse 8. At the end of verse 8, he says, And he, Abraham, went out, followed God, not knowing where he was going, which is something that the writer of Hebrews tells us that wasn't as clear uh, in Genesis chapter 12, but the Holy Spirit inspired the writer of Hebrews to tell us that Abraham didn't know where he's going. He followed him anyway. He didn't have all the answers. (laughs) You and I want the answers, right? We want, if I'm going to take a step with God in this direction, I want all the other steps pretty, pretty clearly marked. Or else I may not do it. And Abraham, God says, hey, Abraham, leave everything you're comfortable with. It's going to cost you all this. It'll be worth it. Follow me. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to promise. I've got promises for you. It's going to be a blessing for you. But you don't know where you're going. Just imagine Abraham. Like he's grown up his whole life here. Everybody knows him. Everybody knows his family. And all of a sudden, you know, he's 75 years old. He's got a wife. He's got possessions. He's got animals. He's got servants. He's got all these things, and he's packing up, and he's making plans, and he's, he's doing all this stuff, and people hear about it. What's Abraham doing? And all of a sudden, they come by like, hey, wait, I heard you're leaving. You leaving? Like, yeah, I'm leaving. Where are you going? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Like, that, that, that makes some of you kind of nervous just to even think about it. That's what God called him to. I don't know where we're going. I'm just going to trust him. And, and sometimes, we, sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we don't know what that's going to look like after the first step. And sometimes we don't know if it's going to turn out the way we want it to turn out. And faith that pleases God res- responds in obedience to God, knowing we might not know everything. We might not have all the answers. And, God, this is so important. And, and, and it's really important for right here, right now. Because, man, something's happened in our culture um, as a result of the COVID thing. And I'm, I'm not trying to go back there. I mean, those fights were fun. I, we all had a great time. But, like, here's what's happened That We told a generation, here's your deal. Stay home, stay safe. Stay home, stay safe. That idea, it's hard to find that in this, in this book. In God's word, it's hard to find that being the primary, ultimate motivator for all of us. Stay home and stay safe. In fact, if we're going to join in God's mission, if we're going to be obedient to him, if we're going to share the gospel with him, we're going to stand for what's right in our culture, like it's probably not going to lead to safety and comfort most of the time. And I'm worried that in a generation we're going to have to like figure this out all over again, that God calls us to obedience and that's more important to him than our safety and our comfort. Like he calls us to things that we don't We don't know where we're going, and we don't know how it's going to turn out all the time. And maybe he's calling you to something like that, and you've thought, well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I want to go on a mission trip to Honduras or Germany or whatever. I don't know if it, that doesn't, I'm not sure it's going to be safe. As the guy who plans this trip, I'm not sure either. (laughs) There's no guarantee of that. 
That's, that's not a guarantee that we have. But obedience is more important to God. And so sometimes he calls us to step out in faith, in obedience, even when we don't know how it's going to turn out. And I'm, I'm praying that there's another generation that's coming up that's saying, yeah, we're, we're going to walk in obedience. We're going to follow him no matter what. Because I feel like we've got this other filter that we kind of got to move aside. Faith that pleases God responds to him. Even if it costs us and even if we don't have all the answers. But you also see this other aspect of Abraham's faith that can help us. And that is that faith that pleases God trusts God's timing. If you know anything about his story, his whole story is basically a story of him waiting on God to fulfill his promises. God said, Abram, follow me. Leave everything, and here's the deal. I'll make your name great, which is kind of interesting because his name meant father of many, and he didn't have a kid. And so it was almost like an embarrassment his name was to him. He says, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to change it to Abraham, which means father of a multitude, father of nations. And I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm gonna, I have a land prepared for you, a promised land. Like, I'm, I'm going to do all this for you. Follow me. And he was 75 when he left. So I'm going to give you a son, an offspring, you and Sarah. And that son was born when he was 100. (laughs) So most of Abraham's story is him waiting on God to do what God promised to do. And so the faith that pleases God seems to be telling us is the faith that trusts God's timing. So Abraham waited. Uh, There's something really encouraging about that because if you know his story, you really know his story, and we've talked about this not too long ago, you know that he didn't, he didn't wait perfectly. The writer of Hebrews says earlier that Abraham patiently trusted in God, but, but he didn't always. There was a time when he thought, well, I guess this isn't going to happen, and Sarah's like, yeah, it's not going to happen, so why don't you take Hagar, our servant, and have a child with her, and that'll be the way that God fulfills this promise. And so this idea of trusting God's timing As simple as it sounds, it wasn't that simple for Abraham. And so we need to make sure we understand what that looks like. Faith that pleases God, trust God's timing, even when we run out of time. Even even when we think, uh, I guess God forgot. Abraham thought he ran out of time. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says here that, uh, therefore from one man, verse 12, and him as good as dead. (laughs) That's when God fulfilled the promise, when Abraham was as good as dead. And that's, man, that's some encouragement for all of us old people in here. When you feel like, I'm as good as dead. God's still got a plan for us, right? I mean, he kept waiting. He kept trusting. He, he, had that, he had that one time where he didn't, and he thought he ran out of time, and he had a child with Hagar, and guess what? God came back to him in that moment and said, nope, that's not it. I want you to keep waiting. I want you to keep trusting. I have a plan, and it's not for Hagar. It's for you and Sarah. You're going to have a t- I promised you a child. And Abraham was called to trust God's timing and, like, recenter all that. Like, nope, this wasn't the plan. I need, to, I need to go back and trust God's timing, and he did, even when he thought he ran out of time. And, man, there's so much encouragement in that for us because, like, if the Bible says that Abraham patiently trusted God and we know that, well, there's that one big time that he didn't, But the way that God describes him is he had faith, then it's a reminder. It's not about how much faith. It's not about how perfect. Just the whole life of like, I'm trusting God. And it's also really encouraging for us and hopefully like helpful to us to know that every time you and I are tempted to just give up on God and like, I I guess I'm going to have to do this myself. I'll figure it out myself. I'm going to have to, like God's not coming through. He's not listening. He's not answering. Like, no, we go back and go, oh, no, we can trust his promise. 
we can, we can trust his timing. Like, and we do that all the time. We get to the end of it like, I guess God's not going to do anything. And we start taking matters in our own hands just like Abraham. And he's saying, no, trust his timing. Even when we feel like we've run out of time. And how do you do that? You have to know that his promises are eternal. Abraham seemed to understand that all the promises God made to him, they were for all eternity, not just the here and now. In fact, if you look at this text, you see the eternal perspective of Abraham. It's kind of just shouting, like this is what this looks like. To trust God's timing means to have a bigger view than the here and the now, bigger view than this world. Verse 9, he says, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise, the land God promised. He, he followed him. By faith, he did that. But he lived there as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. He never got his home there. He was living in a tent like a foreigner. There were cities. There were established places. He didn't even own the land. He didn't own land there until Sarah died. He had to buy land to have a burial spot for her. Like he didn't own the land. God had promised it to him, but he never really fully received it. But here's what. Abraham had an eternal perspective. If you go down to verse uh, 13, it's talking about Abraham and his family. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. They didn't receive it yet but having seen them and greeted them from afar in the distance, in the future, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They lived as sojourners, as, as people that understood this world is not our home, we're just passing through. This is not that at all it's supposed to be. And Abraham was promised the land, he got there and it wasn't his, he had to live like a foreigner, like a traveler, like a sojourner in that land, but he did it with an eternal perspective, knowing that, hey, there's something better for all eternity that God has promised. Go back up to verse 10. Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Where was his hope? Why was he trusting in God's timing? Even when he forgot he he had to come back and trust God's timing again, his hope was in the fact that there's a city that I'm going to have that has a foundation that you can't take away. It can't be destroyed. Because God built it, he designed it, he's the architect, he's the creator of it. And so there's a city, there's a promise, and it's for all eternity. And we can trust God's timing when we know his promises are eternal. Knowing his promises are eternal. Like if you understand that, it can help you move forward in obedience. It can help you take the next step knowing that, hey, this may not happen right here and right now. But God's made some promises for all eternity and when you start to understand this, here's what happens. You start to realize that all eternity with God is going to be infinitely greater than this little blip on the radar that we call life. It's going to be so much better. And when you have that perspective, it changes everything. It changes how you're waiting on God. It changes how you can patiently wait on him and trust in his timing. When I mean, I want everything spelled out. I want it to happen right now, but I'm going to trust God's timing because he's operating on an eternal scale. And I'm going to trust him. And all throughout this text, you see Abraham waiting, trusting, because he knew that it was eternal. And the faith that pleases God responds to God. It trusts God's timing, and then it endures the test. Verse 17 says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. The, the one of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So you guys know this part of the story. This is where it was all going. 25 years of waiting. Here's a child born as 100 years old. Sarah's 90. And then God says, hey, I gave you the child that I promised to give you. You're waiting all this time. Way to go. Now take him up on the mountain and kill him. 
And there's a test. We know that. Abraham didn't. We, we know because it says in Genesis, God tested Abraham. He tested his faith. But Abraham was just like, what? And here's this test that Abraham passed. His faith endured this test. And the faith that pleases God endures the test. But it sounds so simple, but it's never that simple. So let me add this to it. Faith that pleases God endures the test even when we don't understand. There is no way that Abraham understood that test. He'll never convince me that, that he understood what was going on there. It's, there's no way this made sense to him. God had promised him a child and then promised him descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And it's all going to come through this one boy that he waited 25 years for, really more than that, but 25 years after God promised. He waited, and then he says, go kill him? There's no way that makes sense. And the faith that pleases God endures the test, trust him even in the middle of the trial and the test. Even, even when you don't understand. And, and the reality is that there's a lot of times, almost every time we're in the middle of a trial, we're in the middle of a test, we don't understand it. I, I rarely talk to anyone that's in the middle of a trial that just encountered a trial and they're like, oh yeah, but I know, I know, God's working all this out, it's all good, it's fine, I'm happy. In the middle of that, we're like, no, why is this happening to me? This is not what I planned. This is not what I wanted. And the faith that pleases God is the one that endures the test, even when you don't understand, even when you don't have all the answers, even when it doesn't make any sense to you at all. And there's, there's really maybe just one way to do that, and that's by knowing that God always keeps his promises. I, I can keep moving forward with maybe just one more step. Maybe I just have enough faith to take one more step in the middle of a trial. One more step of obedience. One more step of trusting God. And the reason I can do that is because I know that God always keeps his promises. He's never failed once. He never will. He, he always, always, always keeps his promises. It's not a majority of the time. It's not 90%. It's 100%. He keeps his promises. And so when you know that he keeps his promises and you know he's made eternal promises to you, then you can keep moving forward, trusting God, no matter what you're going through at the time, even when it doesn't make any sense. And that's what Abraham was doing. In, in, in verse 19, it says something really, really amazing. It says, Abraham considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You understand? God says, Abraham, here's, you're going to have a child, and that, through him, all these promises are going to come true. These descendants are coming through Isaac. And he has Isaac, and God says, go kill him. And Abraham's like, I don't, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand. So Abraham says, well, I know God keeps his promises, so I guess he's going to raise him back from the dead if I kill him. I mean, his view of God in that moment is like, God keeps his promises, so I'm going to trust him. I don't, I don't know any other way to do it. When you're in the midst of a storm, you're in the midst of trial, and nothing makes sense, the only way to step the next step of obedience and trusting God is to remember he always keeps his promises. He promises to work all things for good. He promises to use the trials and and. and all the tests in our life, to produce something in us that would not be produced if it weren't for the trial and the test that we're going through. He promised that. And I've talked to people in our body. I know people in our body that have gone through amazing, crazy, difficult trials. 
And in the middle of it, they probably wondered, why? Why? This doesn't make sense. I don't understand. And on the other side of that, I've seen whole ministries, they, they birthed out of the tragedy. Whole, whole impact, huge impact on lots of people that came out of that tragedy. And I know that looking back, they can see, oh, this is what God was preparing us for. This was what God was doing. And the only way to step forward is to know, hey, God always keeps his promises. He works all things for good, not just a few of them. And that's what the faith that pleases God endures the test, even if you don't understand, knowing that he always keeps his promises. And I was studying this passage, and it, 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 this one other passage just kept coming to my mind. And it's a passage in uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I was thinking about it because today we're doing... Um, our senior, high school senior recognition. We got seniors in here that uh, did their hair and everything. It's awesome. And um, we're going we're gonna to have seniors up here and just here in a little bit, and we're going to recognize them, and we're sending them off to whatever's next for their life. And I thought about this passage because this passage is one I like to share with seniors with that, on, on the brink of that, the next step for them as a reminder. But then it, it's just like this reminder of everything we just talked about. Proverbs 3, verse 5, the writer says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Whatever you have to trust him with, like all your heart. If it's a little, it's a lot, like just trust him with everything you have. Trust him as much as you can trust him. And he says, but don't do this. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't rely on how you can understand it figure things out. Like that will never work for you. It will keep you from trusting. It will keep you from moving forward. Don't lean on that. Instead, trust God with everything that you can. And then he says this in verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him. Which means that, I'm going to look to Jesus for everything. I'm going to recognize that God has something to say about every single situation in my life in his word. I'm going to look to him and I'm going to acknowledge him in everything that I do. Whatever step I take, no matter what he's called me to, I'm going to always acknowledge him. Everything I'm involved in. And then he says this, and he will make straight your paths. Which the ESV kind of went Yoda on us. It's like straight your paths he will make. I don't know why they did that. But like, here's what he's saying. He will make your way straight. He'll put you on the right path. Trust him with everything that you have. Don't, don't stop when you don't understand. Don't lean on your understanding. Everything, acknowledge him, look to him in everything, and you'll find that he's, you're right where he wants you to be. You'll find that he's making the path straight. Now, <laughs> when you're walking that path, it feels really crooked. There's so many times you're like, I don't know where we're going. And you keep following him on that path, and then you stop and look back, and you're like, whoa, he's, he led me straight here. This is exactly where he was taking me. If you're, if you're one of our seniors in here, listen to me. This is, this is for you. And the next step, it's, it's, it's that trust him with everything that you have. Don't lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. It's not just your professors or whoever else is in the world. It's like it's, in, all, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Look to him for everything. And you'll find that no matter where he takes you, he'll put you on the right path. And make your way straight. So it's a great word for seniors, but you know what? It's a pretty good word for us tomorrow. Every single one of us. No matter what the world throws at us tomorrow, trust in him with all of our heart. Don't lean on understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll make it straight. And he's worth trusting like that with all of our lives. So let's be the people that do. Let's pray. God, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the examples that we see in it that encourage us and inspire us. And some of that of encouragement is just because we know that they didn't do it perfect and we don't either. And you use them anyway. It's all about you. 
And we acknowledge that, that Jesus made that possible. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he's done for us. And we thank you that we can trust him with all of our heart. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.